0: This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we
1: use it. The body portion stops here. Plug the radio in. Yeah, cause I can
0: everyone. Once again, it's time for Evidence for Faith, the weekly program that helps Christians to become thinkers and thinkers to become Christians. We are also a ministry of Ratio Christi. I'm your host, Kirk Hastings. Uh, Things are a little different today. Usually I'm your co-host, but our main host, Keith Kendricks, is away this weekend. His son uh, got married yesterday, I believe. And uh, he's away celebrating that, so I'm kind of on my own today. Except I do have a guest with me today, which I'll get to in just a minute. Uh, I'd also like to mention here that uh, if you'd like to listen to podcasts of previous episodes of our program, they're available on our website, which is uh, number 4 faithcom If you'd like to ask us a question that we can deal with on the air, you can email us at Email at evidence4faith.com, the number four, faith.com, and you can check out our Facebook page. So, uh, let's get started uh, today with, um, oh, I should also uh, mention you can get those podcasts too on our, not only on our website, but on ratiochristi.org and on iTunes. That's important, I want to leave that out. Okay, I'm going to start us off with a quote of the week today, and this quote is from the Bible. It's from the book of Second Peter. And it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eye-witnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father, such as utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And this quote is uh, at Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. Just a little uh, note by the author Peter here that uh, he's writing about things that he personally experienced and witnessed, as well as other people, not things that he heard secondhand or uh, got from some other source. This is a direct source for information about Jesus' life, as uh, all of the, uh, the Gospels in the New Testament are. All right, so let's move on today. We have a special guest today who I am going to introduce now. Um, His real name is Bob Sorensen. He lives in Kingston, New York. However, his friends tend to refer to him as Cowboy Bob, which probably by the end of this program, you'll all know why. (laughs) He uh, sent me a little bio of himself here. I'm not going to read all of it, but just to give you a little background on him. Uh, As I said, he hails from Kingston, New York. Uh, He has a weblog called Stormbringer's Thunder. And actually, he has a couple of weblogs. He has that one. He has one called A Soldier for Jesus. And he also has one called Evolutionary Truth by Piltdown Superman. And my personal favorite of his pages is he has a Facebook page called The Question Evolution Project, which is a very... Interesting page, always has a lot of uh, articles, science-based articles on it that he has links to where you can read about the science concerning um, the intelligent design and uh, creationism and some of the problems with Darwinian evolution. That's the main focus of his page. And he usually has some pretty interesting material on there. And he usually has a, a few back-and-forth discussions, shall we say, with people that don't necessarily believe in those things. But those discussions there can be interesting as well. So, uh, without further ado, I'd like to bring Bob on today. Are you there, Bob?
1: Howdy, Kirk.
0: Hey, how are you?
1: Okay, I know your voice, and I think it's the first time you've heard mine.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, we've had a lot of contact in the past couple of years through uh, the Internet, but this is actually the first time I get to talk to you. How about that?
1: Well, that's kind of good.
0: <laughs> All right. So we have a lot of uh, stuff that we want to cover today. Of course, uh, Keith has been talking about evolution a lot lately, and I think we're going to touch on uh, some information concerning that today, but also we're going to uh, talk about some other things related to the evolutionary viewpoint, the creationism viewpoint, uh, worldviews, Christian apologetics, uh, depending on how much we can cram in in the next uh, 45 minutes or so. We're going to touch on a few of those different things. So, Bob, where would you like to start?
1: Well, this should prove interesting. Uh, One thing I want to mention is that with those three weblogs, you'd be able to see the transition on the Stormbringers Thunder that uh, I rededicated my life to Christ about two and a half years ago, and the uh, that weblog had been existing for a few years before that. And then you can see the change that uh, I started putting some evangelism, apologetics, refuting atheism, and things like that in there. And then I decided I don't want to have stuff that is targeted specifically for and about christians on this one because it's so eclectic i'll talk about the wife's cat uh software um theology and all kinds of things and then uh so i decided i'd make um a soldier for jesus and that one's for and about christians and i put some of the more heavy theology in there regarding uh, creation and evolution and the importance of genesis and then the piltdown superman That site is the uh, source for much of the material that appears on the Question Evolution Project Facebook page, but I add some other things in there to keep the Facebook page interesting. Uh, There are a few unique features that those readers get that uh, don't appear at the main uh, parent page, I should call it that.
0: Right. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions to start off here. What's the origin of the name Stormbringer's Thunder? Why did you name the first page that?
1: Uh, Deep Purple. I I really liked the song Stormbringer, and I was not even aware of the uh, talking evil sword called Stormbringer by Michael Moorcock. And I liked that song, and I had a purple theme and all sorts of stuff. And I just started with ideas. I think, you know, I like the name Stormbringer, and then I got the idea for putting the thunder on it to make it a little bit catchy.
0: <laughs> okay. How about the other uh, weblog? How did? Uh, what's the significance of Piltdown Superman <laughs> for some of our listeners who may not know where that name comes from?
1: Well, part of it is a reminder that the Piltdown Man fraud, uh, it's beyond a hoax. It, it was an actual fraud And that fooled the scientific establishment for over 40 years. Some people saw it, but the big names were so busy promoting it as proof of evolution, and uh, the fraud was finally discovered, but not after uh, many people got doctoral dissertations written on it. And so I merged a reminder that uh, people will use their worldviews to see what they want to see, plus... There was a song from another British act, the late, great Ronnie James Dio. He had a song called Sunset Superman. Right. I'm going to put these together, and I even tinkered and made a little logo for it, and (laughs) I had some fun.
0: Yep. Of course, we should mention that uh, Piltdown Man was supposedly... uh, Weren't they kind of claiming it was the missing link at one point between apes and humans? Yes. Or at least one of the missing links.
1: Yeah, so one of the discredited missing links of which there have been a few. Yes, they wind up getting them reclassified, and they're they're either fully human, fully ape, uh, didn't exist in the first place. Nebraska Man's one of my favorites. Right. That was, they built up an entire mural. Nebraska Man, Mrs. Nebraska Man, the entire (laughs) scenery, they had a panorama, all of it was built up from a tooth. Aren't (laughs) scientists clever? Right. And then you find out the tooth was from an extinct pig. (laughs) Right. So they went hog wild with Nebraska man who never existed.
0: You mean to tell me uh, all scientists aren't infallible?
1: Uh, Don't uh, we shouldn't let that get out? But yes, some people have the belief that scientists are infallible.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Now uh, you've got a uh, you sent me a little uh, page here about some of the things you'd like to discuss today. Let's get into one of them. You concentrate on your. especially your question evolution project page about logical fallacies that you uh, find in a lot of the arguments that you get on that page. Can you kind of uh, fill that in with some details? What what exactly do you mean by logical fallacies?
1: Well, specifically, I go after the informal logical fallacies. Logic itself can be written so that it uh, looks like mathematics, and it can be very complicated looking, but there are things, these informological fallacies happen uh, in everyday life, and I've been, I have written several articles on it, and I'm hoping that people will get a hold of these, especially during this heavily charged political season, because I'm watching these things and think, hey, that's one of the fallacies that I've written about. One of them is that I think that uh, a lot of atheism starts with a thing called a genetic fallacy. And unfortunately for them, that's based on the word Genesis, they won't like that, but it's where it originated. So if I'm going to cite something or say, here's a link that has all the science and all the evidence, and they have supporting links, well, I'm not going to read that because it came from a creationist source. Well, that's a genetic fallacy because you're not going to go there from who said it or where or why. And a lot of atheists will use a form of it to say, we're smarter than you stupid, dumb Christians because we are atheists. Well, that's a fallacious thing right there.
0: It's also interesting that I, was, uh, I have a couple of pages myself, Facebook pages, and on one of them I just uh, posted a uh, little piece of information that I read that uh, uh, Gallup polls have shown that about 4% of the population is atheist. And that number has not changed since 1944. I was really surprised to hear that. So it's not like uh, a major segment of our population even claims to be atheists. There's not all that many of them when you uh, look at it from that direction.
1: Yes, we have always been a small part of the population, but the the so-called new atheists are extremely vocal.
0: Yes, I've noticed that too.
1: One thing about that is the people who are not really down there in the trenches and dealing with people like this really don't have a grasp of what we're encountering, and um, part of these logical fallacies include, like, uh, flat-out insults and personal attacks. Um, A lot of the logical fallacies, the um, Latin names have dropped off, but people will still use uh, ad hominem as the title of the -the to-the-man fallacy, and... It seems to me that uh, so many of these atheists are willing to just attack. They don't want to look at evidence, and they'll just let fly with that sort of thing. And uh, I wanted to go on to something, though, that r- related to this, because when they're using these fallacies, they're attempting to distract us from the point we're trying to make. And there's one fallacy that's called the red herring, which is. Once you're kind of trained in it, you can see I'm being distracted, and you can steer people back to the topic. Mm -hmm. But when they're going to play with your emotions, they're going to appeal to your ego, your pride, and insult you. And I've had people try to manipulate me. Like, there was uh, an atheist that had a podcast, and he wanted me to get in on a debate, me against three or four of them. And I don't know the topic, and they're just going to spring it on me. And think, like, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) But I turned it down, and they kept trying to goad me with appeals to pride, ridicule, all sorts of different things, just to badger me into this. And I was going to stand my ground, and uh, they were quite furious by it. But all of these kinds of things are distractions. And Matt Slick of CARM agrees that atheists, well, they're control freaks they'll try to manip- manipulate your emotions, tell you how to run your, uh, in his case, tell him how to run his ministry, and how to run weblogs and pages and all this kind of thing. And when we stand up to bullies, people kind of get a little irritated, but uh, Matt also noticed that modern internet atheists are like Muslims, and they see kindness as a kind of weakness. I've had experiences where somebody say, hey, I want to ask you a sincere and honest question. Okay, let's go with this. And They'll ask something, I'll spend some time, give them a thought-out answer, and then they'll go back into their lair and start laughing about it with their friends, saying, look what I made that stupid fundie do, uh-huh. uh, except I'm not a fundy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is short for fundamentalist, which is a, uh, that's a pretty bad term to apply to somebody today.
1: <laughs> yes, even though it's... Uh, It's a legitimate term for people. Well, in some senses, every Christian is a fundamentalist, because if we believe the fundamentals of the faith, but uh, the fundamentalist movement seems to have fallen off, but they'll just use that as a pejorative to color other people's opinions of us, and again, to try to um, incite some kind of emotional reaction on our part.
0: Right. I think it kind of, I'm just kind of guessing here, but it seems like that probably started with the... uh with us dealing with the Islamic terrorism, and we started referring to the the Muslims that were doing this terrorism as fundamentalists, um, the people that were um, very strict in their beliefs and kind of narrow-minded and willing to do almost anything for what they believe. And I think somewhere along the line, uh, some people started applying that same fundamentalist term to christians as well as if they're the same thing which they're not but that's uh, they started using that word as kind of an insult that oh you're a fundamentalist which means you know you're you're narrow-minded and you believe all this uh strict ridiculous stuff and whatever
1: yes that loaded terminology is also a a fallacy of attempting to poison the well and to uh, create some kind of uh Bad feelings about us. Sure. But uh, somebody pointed out in a debate with Richard Dawkins when he was just using a blanket term about religion, he's saying, You just equated the Amish with the Taliban. (laughs) And there are distinctions, and uh, people should uh, learn how to think and find out these differences. Right. And find out when somebody's just using a loaded term to uh, steer opinion and emotion.
0: Well, there's a lot of that going on today, not only in uh, religious circles, but in political circles where you can be called all kinds of things like a bigot or a homophobe or whatever. And the purpose of insulting terms like that is pretty much once somebody calls you that, it's like, okay, now anything you say from this point of view doesn't count because you're, you know, bigot, whatever, fill in the blank.
1: Yes, and don't forget racist.
0: Right, racist. That's That's, always a good one. That's a biggie. (laughs) Okay.
1: Uh, Well, they'll use racist as a first line of offense. Right. And then uh, if I say, well, I support a conservative candidate, oh, you're a right-wing extremist.
0: Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, It's funny, you don't hear about left-wing extremists very often, do you?
1: I heard somebody use an expression, this guy is so left-wing, he flies in circles.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about your approach to apologetics? Really, um, your most of your web pages here deal with apologetics. Do you want to get into that a little bit about how you uh, approach that?
1: Frankly, we have a wrong approach that's unscriptural. But I need to back up a little bit because I keep emphasizing that it's all about worldviews. Everyone has a worldview, and we have presuppositions based on that. Right. Now, the evolutionist will, the evolutionist geologist will expect to find uh, fossils that are in a progression from simplest in the oldest layers to more complex in the youngest layers, and in a, they're in a nice order and that sort of thing. He doesn't find that, but that's how they're going after it, and then they're going to filter the evidence through their worldviews. Now, to use something I learned, the creationist geologist... He expects to find billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. And what does he find? Billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. The evidence supports the Christian worldview, the biblical creationist worldview, far better than the evolutionary one. And when we're presenting evidence to people, they have their uh, presuppositions and biases and everything else. Um, By the way, you mentioned... You made a joke that uh, scientists are not infallible. Well, some people seem to have that view, and that scientists are absolutely objective and unbiased. And, well, that means scientists are not human, and that's actually an unfair characterization of scientists. Right. And everyone's got biases. And there's a great illustration of uh, somebody's using the evidence in their worldview where a man is taken to the doctor and is. His wife says, my husband thinks he's dead. So the doctor talks to him and says, why do you think you're dead? Well, I'm dead. Well, I've got your chart. Your your last checkup, everything's fine. And look, I've taken your blood pressure. Here's your heart rate, everything. You're alive. There's nothing wrong with you. No reason to think you're dead. Well, it could be just involuntary muscle reactions. And um, those could be faked. It might not really be my stuff. And then the doctor says, okay, how about this? Do dead men bleed? A man thinks about it as, well, the circulatory system stops, and if there's any bleeding, it's going to be superficial. No, I don't think they do. So the doctor sticks him with a needle, and the man bleeds, and he sees it coming out, and he says, well, what do you know? Dead men do bleed.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: And that just illustrates how people are going to interpret the evidence according to their worldviews. Right. Now, I think that we have a an in incorrect approach when we're presenting evidence, because, well, first, too many Christians want to be hotshot apologists. They'll go after 1 Peter 3.15, and they'll go right to the middle, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Right? Yes, amen, brother, I'm all for that. Sometimes they remember the end of the verse, yet with gentleness and reverence, but almost always they forget the first part of the verse, which says, "Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts." And I think this is a problem for some wannabe apologists, because this is serious business. It's not just argument for its own sake, that we're talking about people's eternal destiny. And if they're going to do apologetics, they need to do lay the groundwork, learn doctrine, scriptural reasoning, get into the Bible, and they need to get teaching and prayer on a regular basis, and get some humility. I've seen some Christians, just today I saw some acting just like the atheists they're right down to using ridicule and strong profanity. And I'm not going to be a part of that conversation. And when we're presenting evidence, we, we should remember to keep Christ as Lord over everything we do. The Bible is supposed to be the basis of our thinking in every area. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And also, let me read you this from Second Corinthians. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ so this is spiritual warfare the natural man cannot accept or understand the things of the spirit unless god is working in his or her life now you've probably seen some of my responses on that question evolution project facebook page where i will use scripture in a biblical framework I'll use evidence in a biblical framework when I'm discussing evidence, because despite their protests, the Bible is true, and the unbeliever does know that God is real, but they suppress the truth in unrighteousness, and you can find that in Romans one eighteen to 18-20. Mm-hmm. And when somebody wants to argue on neutral ground, and this thing really made an impression on me, um, I recommend anybody to get uh, Dr. Jason Lyle's book, The Ultimate Proof of Creation, because it talks about... Uh, methods of apologetics and neutral ground and that sort of thing, but there is no such thing as neutral ground, and it's contrary to Scripture. When somebody says, let's talk about this on neutral ground, remember two things about being neutral. They aren't, and you shouldn't be. (laughs) Right. And neutral ground means that we should give up our standard, disobey God, and then assume that their naturalistic presuppositions and biases are true. We've already lost before we began.
0: Right. Really, then when we you... try
1: to out-evidence them, and whoever has the most evidence wins. But I've seen it. They just keep coming up with uh, rescuing devices. Uh, for instance, the uh, red blood cells that were found in dinosaur fossils, according to uh, the evolutionary framework, that's impossible. Sure, it's, The fossils are far too old to contain red blood cells. Right. And when I mentioned that, an evolutionist said, well, you must have gotten a hold of outdated material, or it's just plain wrong. So he's just using a rescuing device to uh, that supports his own worldview.
0: Right. I've and seen, I've heard that a lot, where you'll give them some evidence and they'll say, oh, that's outdated information, and they just leave it at that, like, okay, scratch that, but it's like, well, okay, what have you got that's more modern than that?
1: Yes, they'll just wave it off. Like I, I quoted uh, Colin Patterson, senior paleontologist of one of the museums, and he's Said there are no transitional forms in the fossil record.
0: The British People Museum. Say, oh, I don't really. care what
1: this guy who's dead for many years has said. Right. And, uh, okay, so do you have any kind of uh, modern evidence, any transitional forms? They'll dig up something out of the uh, notoriously biased Wikipedia or Talk Origins or something like that. <laughs> and all they have is a bunch of things that look a little bit alike, but actual undisputed transitional forms. No, those don't exist. They keep trying to come back and rescue uh, Archaeopteryx or some of those others. And you'd think, okay, if there is an abundance of transitional forms, why don't you just let us have that one? Say, okay, let's, for the sake of argument, let's say Archaeopteryx is not a transitional form. And no, they cling to it because they know there are, there's next to nothing And it's all coming back down to their unbiblical worldview, even though they know in their heart of hearts that there is God.
0: Yeah, well, rationalizing Uh, almost any point of view is uh, easy if you know how to do it.
1: Yes. Just keep throwing out, no, it isn't. Right. And I was in a discussion many years ago. One guy just kept hitting me with, that's not true.
0: Uh huh.
1: Well, this this, uh, conversation isn't true. It's not even happening. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to mention how I have... uh, stalkers and things, and one of my most persistent stalker likes to call creationists liars, and it's based on his worldview, because our interpretations of the evidence do not fit with their worldviews, even though the evidence fits the biblical models and explanations better than the naturalistic models. And it's a weak attempt to shut us up and poison the well so others will not consider the evidence.
0: That's funny. And, uh, a lot of the things that you're saying, it's crossing my mind that uh, this stuff is popular in the political realm, too. We're hearing a lot of these same types of um, avoiding the arguments in uh, the political realm.
1: Yes, that's... I really want people to get a hold of the idea of just read up on some of these logical fallacies and they can just plug that in. I I posted it in different weblogs because, okay, this will apply to a, a Christian doing apologetics and reasoning with the unsaved, but looky here, I just heard that last night on the a radio talk show that was bringing up uh, something political.
0: Mm-hmm. And they've been making a, uh, a big deal lately in the media about how a lot of the uh, people in the political circles are calling each other liars today. That's their response to something one guy says, the other one will say, well, you're a liar. That's not true.
1: Yes, and when somebody makes that kind of an accusation, uh, especially in... When I'm trying to do apologetics and they're saying, oh, you're just lying, well, uh, you're going to have to show some kind of evidence that you know the motives of the person that they actually intended to deceive, and I don't care if it's political, religious, or uh, people talking over the fence in the backyard, that uh, need to show motive, and it's not just a matter of disagreement, Well, oh, he lied, no, he sees it different than you do.
0: Right. And sometimes, actually a lot of the time, both sides are using the same evidence. They're just seeing it differently. They have a different perspective on the evidence.
1: Yes. I have some stuff I wanted to make sure I got to, and I don't know how you are on time, but uh, at one point I'd like to get to why Genesis is important, but that's my (laughs) conclusion, so I can wait on that. Uh, I wanted to bring up something that with some of these... Prejudicial things. Oh, yes. When you mentioned uh, fundamentalist uh, Muslims, 9 uh, 11 really brought the modern atheists out in force. Yes. And they started hating all religion beca- because of the actions of uh, fundamentalist Muslims right. who were actually acting on a political reason and not a religious one. Right. But uh, somebody who. Uh, I have this thing, a screenshot on right in front of me, a fellow said. Uh, He kept asking me, what, how old do you think the world is? Do you believe Genesis and all that kind of thing? And I kept asking him, what does it matter to you? Finally got out of him, I care what people believe because belief leads people to stupidity that hurts other people in the name of invisible gods. So he wants to shut me up because of what he's afraid I might do. So a little bit Stalinist and a little bit uh, thought police.
0: Uh-huh. Well, it's interesting, too. uh, You mentioned a few uh, minutes ago how uh, a lot of people like to use sources like Wikipedia for information today. I actually, on one of my Facebook pages, had uh, a—I won't get into the details, but we were arguing over the definition of a word, and I looked the word up in Webster's Dictionary and wrote the uh, exact definition— quoted it directly from Webster's Dictionary and the other person's response was, uh, well I don't believe that because this is what it really means and I got this from Wikipedia. And I'm like you, you're you telling me that you believe Wikipedia over the dictionary? <laughs> and that's that's yes, where he was coming from. As far as he was concerned, if it was on Wikipedia it was true, but if it's in a dictionary it's not necessarily true. And I just couldn't believe that response.
1: <laughs> yeah, even though uh, that site can be ed- edited and modified and outright written by just about anybody. Right. And there was there were some uh, friends of mine who went to correct certain creationist articles in there, and they were corrected right back. The modifications were removed. Really? And it's got very heavily biased. No kidding. Uh, there are certain things that are fun to read. I had a good time reading it about that TV show, The Rifleman. And okay, it seems like a reasonable source of information there, but when it's going to go after uh, theology and creationism and that sort of thing, no, it's not trustworthy.
0: No, it's not a scholarly resource. It's good in for fact, popular. I've heard
1: that teachers will not allow it to be used as a resource in uh, papers and things.
0: Sure. It's good for popular information, like you say, about old TV shows or whatever, but when you're getting into scholarly uh, complex subjects, it's really not trustworthy because uh, of the uh, the many sources that write on it. You, you know, a lot of them are just ordinary people who are not experts in what they're talking about, and it's really not something you can use as a scholarly resource. But, you know, we have the internet generation today which believes that, you know, well, you want to know anything, just look it up on Wikipedia and there it is. <laughs>
1: any other source. Um, I've got a couple of things here. One is that I've been hit with the genetic fallacy, like people would yell at me for citing my own weblog. Here, the information you want is on this. And I'd give a link that, well, that's yours. I can't trust you. First of all, (laughs) that's assuming that I don't know anything. And second, they wouldn't go there because I was trying to steer them to some scholarly resources because I had uh, like one of my latest uh, articles about my, that included information about a stalker, I had like 17 links, and people will, instead, they will trump that with Wikipedia and talk origins and uh, here are my excuses for hating God, so you should too, even though he doesn't exist, except when I want him to, dot .com. <laughs> and they'll use all kinds of uh, odd really? stuff as if this is the be-all and end-all. If I cite this, then all of your... Evidence and arguments are negated.
0: Right. Uh, I love that when they say, well, you can't use that as information because that's a Christian source or that's a creationist source. And I always feel like when I get that, I feel like coming back and saying, well, you're getting your information from a secularistic, atheistic source, so I can't use that either.
1: Yes, it should be able to cut both ways.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I'm, you know, biased with using Christian-based information, then why isn't the secularist biased for using secularistic information? It works both ways.
1: Yes, and they're also implying that if a Christian or a creationist is going to disagree with evolution, that uh, he is lying. I've had somebody tell me, they felt sorry for me because I am deceived by all of these evil wicked creationist people. <laughs> uh okay, this let's let's take this to its logical conclusion. Somebody that wants is going to present evidence and arguments and worldviews to say, I want you to repent of your sin, give your life to Christ, a holy God who hates lying, and I'm gonna lie to do it. <laughs> Does that make sense to you?
0: <laughs> Not much. <laughs> And, of course, we always have to believe what the atheist or the secularist says, even though they really don't have a, how shall I put it, they don't have a secularistic Ten Commandments that they refer to for their um, their moral standards, so how are we supposed to trust what they say?
1: Yes, but when we try to pin them down and say, what is your ultimate moral source, and then they'll say, well it's society or it's evolution or something one time I cited somebody that oh, I was told that it's an evolutionary mandate and somebody said no self-respecting atheist would ever say that and then I later on I found a bunch of other self-respecting atheists who said that so <laughs> there is no consistency um, so I I'll pin them down You're, you can you can be a nice guy you could be moral you might be more more moral than I am but you don't have a an actual standard or a basis like you said in Atheist Ten Commandments.
0: Yeah, I mean when they say that they're a moral person, what standard are they comparing themselves to in order to say that? I find that if you if you dig into that, more than likely they're using a Christian standard to say, I'm a moral person but then they're they're turning around and saying, But Christian standards don't mean anything.
1: That's one of the things that um, I've found out that uh, first, when I got into the logical fallacies and I find out when an atheist is going to come along and say i 'm smarter than you because i 'm an atheist and then they they were going at me for a whole paragraph, and I said, "Okay, well, I just found three logical fallacies in your paragraph, and this stupid Christian found them and uh <laughs> negated what you just had to say um, so that 's uh
0: i 'm sure they love when you do that.
1: Oh, I have a good time with it. Unfortunately, I probably shouldn't like it so much. But uh, From the logical fallacies, then I've learned that the atheist worldview itself is uh, incoherent and irrational because since they don't have moral standards and they, they don't have the necessary preconditions for human experience, they cannot account. I mean, if somebody's a materialist, materialist empiricist, a rationalist, and they can't account for Uh, laws of logic, which are intangible, they can't account for morality, and there are so many things that just won't work, then uh, they have to stand on the Christian worldview, because ours does make sense, and theirs doesn't. So they're they're borrowing from us, like you were saying.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's amazing how often they contradict themselves when they do that by saying, well, the Christian worldview isn't accurate or it's not real, but then they turn around and they use it as the basis for um, their moral beliefs or any number of other things, because they don't have anything of their own to stand on, as you just said.
1: Yes. Now, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that they don't have this, but they want to take away ours, and they will attack us. And, like, I've had my stalker who was, because he couldn't get at me on... My weblog, he started sending me emails. I blocked his email, blocked that email. He found another email address, started harassing me on that one. Mm. And he he was spamming me because not only is it unwanted, but he had like 47 carbon copies to other people on it. And then he followed me. I blocked that one, reported it to his internet provider. And then he started harassing me at uh, an Amazon book review. Mm -hmm. I reported it to Amazon, and they said, Oh, no, these are not outside our guidelines. Well, uh, they're getting a letter and finding out about losing a customer. But the fact that he said, "I," it is necessary for me to do this because you won't uh, communicate. Well, the guy was so irrational, I didn't want to. Right. And he was uh, calling people a liar just for the same reason that we disagree with the interpretations of the evidence. It's not an attempt to deceive, but because it didn't fit with his worldview, then uh, people are lying. Uh, thing is, when it comes I'd, I'd like to go into the importance of Genesis because I think this is a good spot.
0: Yeah, we've got about 10 minutes left.
1: Okay. Um, evolution is a foundation for atheism and so many other evils in the world. It's not just a biological belief system. Now, um, otherwise this guy would have left me alone. Okay, I don't believe in evolution. He does. That would be enough. No, there's a motivating factor in there. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, God is the creator, and he makes the rules, so we'd better find out what he has to say. Uh, the foundations of Christian doctrine are in Genesis, and I have an interesting page here, a friend of mine writes, Fencing for Jesus, where he's a competitive fencer, and he uses a sport as a witnessing tool. Hmm. And he has a page on biblical doctrines rooted in Genesis, and it's huge, <laughs> we've got uh, the origin of sin, we have the Trinity in it, the promise of the first redemption, blood is payment for sin, all of this is in Genesis, in the early chapters. And we have Christian compromisers that are sending a mixed message, and unfortunately some of them are apologists, like uh, Hugh Ross and Biologus and all that sort of thing, who really don't believe Genesis. And they'll say, oh yes, the Bible's true from cover to cover and inerrant. But you can't rely on a plain reading of the early chapters of Genesis. We will have to tell you what they mean according to the latest opinions of man-made scientific findings, which may change tomorrow anyway. And that's elevating man's opinion and wisdom above the Word of God. And the Word of God is supposed to be the Christian starting point in every area. And I won't apologize for repeating that one. Um, Christians are maligned, attacked, misrepresented, ridiculed, and so on. That should make people wonder what's up. But when it comes down all all the way to the basis, it's about uh, biblical authority of the Word of God. Now, Darwin's cheerleaders are on patrol, emphasis on the word patrol. (laughs) They seek out creationists, and they're trying to correct us. They'll find a creationist site and put their opinion in there. And when they can't defeat us with logic or evidence, well, have they ever, but then they resort to ridicule and manipulation. Now, you and I both know how they will act like angry children who are disciplined by the school principal, and then they want revenge on the teacher that turned them in, and -hmm. they act like this when they go on an Amazon rampage, voting down Christian books and resources. Mm -hmm. They'll go and give books a one-star review that they haven't read, Mm -hmm. and my stalker punished me by voting my uh, review of Evolution Impossible. I gave it five-star, but he... uh, gives my review, not helpful, just because he's mad at me. Mm -hmm. And this is just out of uh, spite, but there's that underlying thing of, if uh, it's just biology or just a philosophy, then it shouldn't matter what I believe. Now, I think it's very important for us to take a look that uh, a lot of Christians will say, here's how to witness, and they'll go to Peter in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people were saved, but they uh, ignore the or are unaware of the greater context that uh, this is Peter speaking to monotheistic Jews. They knew what he was talking about, mm-hmm. and they were uh, flustered, said, well, what should we do? And uh, But when we try to do that now, we are not in the same kind of culture. They repent because you have sinned, and people say, well, what's sin, and why does it matter? Right. So the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 he was talking to the evolutionary pagan Greeks. He didn't start with preaching the scriptures of uh, Christ died for your sins. He went back to, guess what, creation. Now this he is, started uh... with the Creator and laid it all out and kept going on up. And, uh, and I believe that is how we should be presenting the Gospel today, because we are in a pagan evolutionary culture.
0: You're talking about Paul's sermon on uh, Mars Hill, where he's speaking to the people that believe in an unknown God, right? Yes. So he really had uh, to start at square one with them, because they really didn't understand anything about the concept of a monotheistic God.
1: That's it. They but, And this also illustrates what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, 18 to 20, that... Um, God has put it in everyone's heart. People do know there is a God, but they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And these Greeks had something that said, to the unknown God. Right. So they were tacitly admitting, we know there is somebody else.
0: Right. They just didn't know who he was.
1: (laughs) Yes. And when we present evidence and we use it in a framework with Scripture, never leave Scripture out, then we have that uh, secret weapon. The Holy Spirit is working on people, and God has put that knowledge in them, and so they can hear that uh, whispering inside, if you will. And so, because uh, we're talking on a flat plane here with, here's evidence, and then they're going to decide in their infinite but fallen wisdom, because the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked and corrupt, And Christians tend to forget what the Bible says about the natural man who cannot receive the spiritual things, except we can give them the basics of the gospel, and we can go right around all of this evidence and intellect and all this kind of thing and start preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. And people have responded to that, and the Holy Spirit is working in their hearts to bring them to God. And like in my case, I knew... And, but I had to know more, and then I started getting some apologetics from pretty much a strictly evidential approach and not a presuppositional approach, because I didn't need it at that point. Um, it reinforced my faith and brought me further out. And then I knew the Bible is true, and I was able to go from there. But I'd like to emphasize for people who are, want to be in apologetics, and I've mentioned how I've had stalkers, and we've had harassment and things, don't be scared off because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Mm-hmm. And anyone who wants to do apologetics needs to get back to Bible basics. And they, there, I'm really surprised at the difference between how I started out with just doing some mail correspondence and getting things that way, and now the wealth of information in the uh, internet. There are plenty of resources to read, to listen to, and learn. Uh, the intended apologist should check his or her motives to give glory to God and not to themselves it's, it's not a pride thing otherwise you can discuss chess or something <laughs> and don't compromise and fall for that neutral ground lie there is no such thing and it's contrary to scripture
0: right yeah that well, really
1: we're all called to be ready to give a reason apologia uh, for the hope that is in us we're not all called to be experts in all areas that's not impossible or that is impossible Um now, on my site on Piltdown Superman uh you'll see a picture of a dog. The dog is a pointer. Mhm. I don't know everything about this stuff, and that's one reason I don't try to field questions if you If people want to ask the astrophysicist, the biologist, the microbiologist, everything the geologist, all these people, ask them. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert in all fields, but I am pointing people to the resources that will help them
0: right. Yeah, I get that sometimes, too, on my pages, where they will ask me, well, what are your credentials for saying this, or, you know, what what uh, what's your educational background, or whatever. And, you know, I can't always say that uh, um, I know everything either, but I know where there are sources of information from experts who do know this kind of stuff. And I can point yes, them in that direction, as know. you do.
1: Yes, and so often these people don't know either. They if uh, we have to be qualified to talk against evolution, then maybe you have to be qualified to talk for it. But then here's a fast one you can pull on them. They start talking about uh, how they don't like God or what's wrong with the Bible. Show me your theology credentials.
0: Right. Well, we're just about out of time, Bob, so uh, I want to thank you for being with us today. It's been very interesting. I hope we'll have you back again sometime. And uh... Thanks for having me. Yes, and uh, to our listeners, I would say join us again next week, and always remember, the best reason for being a Christian is because it's true. <laughs>